The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Excellent. All right, well, this morning, as uh, we've been hearing, it is Vision Sunday, and it is a great Sunday for you to be here if you are a visitor and if you're new to our church. It's the time, I mean, it's not the only time we come back to our vision uh, quite often to keep it in front of us, but this is kind of uh, the, the Sunday where we un- unpack it a little bit. Um, and so uh, we, we hope that it helps you get an insight and understanding to the heart of our church and really what God is calling us to be and do as a church in this next season. Um, and again, you know, for many churches, not just ours, the last couple of years, have been a really, really difficult and challenging time. Uh, Being without an assistant pastor, going through the second round of COVID um, and adjusting to the whole vaccination kind of stuff and trying to, you know, figure out what it means to come back to church, getting out of our um, habits of not being at church and coming back regularly and all of that. Uh, It's been a really tough and challenging season. And I just want to even, again, just acknowledge uh, the support that, you know, I've had personally from our board, uh, particularly, and the elders and all our ministry directors and our connect group leaders. Uh, There's no way we would have been able to navigate our way through the last two years without each of you and the part that you've played in that vision that we've been carrying together. And so I want to say thank you for your support. Thank you to the church for your prayers and your encouragement for all our leaders and just walking alongside of us in this really difficult season. And so I I really feel, and many of our elders as we met together to pray, really have a sense in our heart that God is has been there in the valleys to, to walk through with us, but He's leading us into a, into a, a different season, a new season. And, and it feels like there's kind of fresh growth coming through the ground. It feels like it's been, we've been in a winter season where there's, it's been kind of quite dormant and dark and difficult and cold. And it kind of feels like spring's coming, not just naturally, but spiritually as well. And so there's a real excitement in my heart and the hearts of many of our leaders as we've been thinking and praying uh, into the next year. And so just wanted to share with you some things um, that I really feel that God is challenging me about that I hope will challenge you about. So just as a recap, uh, particularly if you're relatively new to our church, our vision is quite a big one. It is to see our city and the nations transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a big statement. And we might never see the fulfillment of that, but that's okay to have a big vision that we keep working towards. Um, And I want to encourage you to be a part of that journey. Have I said something wrong? No? (laughs) got these looks on people's faces going. And I, I really believe that this is doable. And the reason I believe that is because Jesus did it with 12 people. He transformed the world through 12 people who really had a revelation of who Jesus was. And they just went about being authentic followers of Jesus who just enjoyed being with Jesus, who, who wanted to become like Jesus and wanted to do the things that Jesus did. They just wanted to be on mission with Jesus, being about His work in the world. And I believe that if you and I, as a church full of people, can be like that, authentic followers of Jesus who love being with Him, enjoying His presence, and who want to become more and more like Him by the power and the work of the Spirit, and are committed to doing the same things that Jesus did in the world, our world would be different. Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind about that. 
And so because of that, as a church, our mission is kind of wrapped around that bigger vision. And it is to follow Christ by God's grace, really, because we need His grace. We can't do this in our own strength. But by God's grace, to follow Christ, that's the number one thing. You know, you, you've heard me say that over and over again. My passion and my heart is to see you, to see us make it to the end as strong, committed followers of Jesus. That's it. That's my ministry mandate. To follow Christ. And along the way, to grow in love. To grow in love for one another. To grow in love for Jesus' church. Not just locally, but globally. That we see the body of Christ as, as connected to us. That there are brothers and that there are sisters. And that we are part of something much bigger than 150, 160 people in one local church in one city of the world. But that we love the church of Jesus Christ and we're about seeing the gospel advance in the kingdom in the, in, throughout the world through our church. That God would use us to be an investment into the kingdom of God, to love His church. And then to, to, to have a local vision where we recognize that no, God's called us to be in Parramatta as well, North Parramatta. And so there's, a, there's a, a, a challenge for us to serve our city, to, to be salt and light right where we are, to find ways that we can bless the city of Parramatta, to, to bring good news so that if we were not here for some reason, our community would miss us because they would, they would like, where, where's that church? They used to do so much good in our community. That's the kind of church I want us to be, where, where we will be good news to our community, not bad news to our community, but good news to our community, and that we would serve our city well. And these, these, this mission statement is kind of anchored in the three great loves of Scripture. It is to love God, to love one another, and to love the lost. Really, that's what it comes down to. So it's, it's the ABCs of Christianity. So that's why at PCC, we, we value worship. And I don't mean the singing and the, the stuff we do on a Sunday morning, but a surrendered life, Romans 12, 1. We, we value it as an expression of our love for God. We, we lay down our lives, that's Paul says in Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, that's where it starts. Because we love God, we lay our lives down as living sacrifices. We, we value community as an expression of God's heart for one another. We, we value community. We invest into it in genuine, committed, caring, deep relationships on a Sunday. And that's why we love morning tea and we get together in connect groups and we're part of community. Whenever the church has the opportunity to gather, whether it's you know, a working bee or a social activity or whatever, we, we value community because we're connecting and loving and encouraging one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We value mission. We value being about advancing the kingdom of God in our local community and in the nations. We, we value serving our city, yes, proclaiming the gospel in word and in deed. We value being on mission as an expression of God's heart for lost people. Because all around us are people who don't know Jesus. And so we value it, whether it's supporting and funding missions overseas, or whether it's caring for people through, through food care in our local community, or whether it's some other expression of God's heart for lost people, whether it's getting behind a justice uh, issue, or speaking out for those who don't have a voice, or whatever it might be. But we value mission, advancing the kingdom of God in Parramatta and in the nations. And if you've been a part of PCC for the last two years, uh, you would know that we've been on a bit of a journey uh, looking at themes centered around the, the, the letter F. 
So two years ago, we, we, we talked about moving forward in God. That was when the, the, the COVID pandemic was just unfolding and there was a lot of uncertainty. We really didn't know what was going on, how it was going to impact us. And God was challenging us to keep moving forward, even in the uncertainty, even with all the unknowns, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep trusting Him and keep going. And then last year, God was calling us, I believe, to stand firm. And looking back, what an appropriate theme and how relevant it was to us to stand firm in God's promises, to stand firm in God's power, to, to just persevere and with the power and the strength that God was giving us so that we could stand our ground and not be pushed back. And so we've been working through that. And it has been a really difficult couple of years. And many of you have gone through your own personal dark valleys in this last year. As a church, we've certainly been through difficult times. And God, praise God, by His grace, we're here. We're still here. We've stood firm. And God, by His grace, has brought us through. And at the AGM, you'll hear, you know, and if you've read the annual reports, so many things that we need to be thankful to God for, grateful to God for, so many things that we can celebrate because God has brought us through. He has been faithful. He has been true to His Word. He has provided all that we've needed to be standing firm today. So where do we go to from here? What does next year look like? Well, not surprisingly, it's another F word. I really believe that God is calling us to be faithful. To be faithful. The last year, really, we've been focusing on God's faithfulness to us. I believe now God is really challenging us to be faithful to Him. And to think about what that might look like. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking and praying into that for this new year, this new ministry and what that might look like for us. And the dictionary definition of faithfulness uh, is, is interesting. It says this, loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships, which I think is really interesting to think about. Being true to one's word or commitments or what one professes to believe. Being dedicated and steadfast in performing one's duty adhering to a standard or an original or living up to the perfect or the, a model of something else. Biblically, in the Old Testament, there's lots of different Hebrew words that convey the idea of faithfulness. Um, hesed is probably the most well-known one. It, it, it implies loving kindness or loving faithfulness. In the New Testament, uh, it's pistis is the Greek word. And both of those ideas if you want to summarize them, have to do with this same idea of being steadfast, of being loyal, of being devoted, of being dedicated, of, of um, remaining reliable and trustworthy. That's what the biblical idea generally conveys and carries. And so I guess distilling and summarizing all of that, the big idea I think God is calling us to embrace is this, to remain faithful, devoted, steadfast, committed, loyal to Him no matter what. No matter what. And so for the rest of our time together, I want to just kind of take you through a bit of a biblical overview very, very quickly of faithfulness because I think it's central to what it means to be a Christian. And then spend some time looking at specifically what things is God challenging us to be faithful in. When you look at the Bible, faithfulness runs all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. Think about the garden. 
it was Adam and Eve's unfaithfulness, really. Their unfaithfulness to be loyal to God, to obey God, that brought about all of the brokenness and sin and rebellion that we now know. In the Ten Commandments, the first three, four, really are centered on this idea of remaining faithful to God, not having any other gods, not having any other idols, not taking God's name in vain, in vain honoring the Sabbath. All of those were about, do we have a devoted heart to God? Will we worship Him alone? Will we not, not have any other gods before Yahweh? Because He's the only true and living God. And then as the rest of the Old Testament unfolds, it's really about Israel's inability to keep covenant over and over and over again. In spite of God's repeated and ongoing faithfulness, the children of Israel failed time and time and time again. And the prophets, you read the prophets, it was them calling the the nation of Israel back to covenant faithfulness. It was about renewing the covenant. It was about repentance. It It was about bringing them back to being wholeheartedly devoted to God. Faithfulness, loyalty runs through the whole of the Old Testament. And as a, a summary of that, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, sorry, 2 Chronicles 31 is one of the verses that God really put on my heart. And it says this about Hezekiah. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything that he undertook, in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. Now, Hezekiah in, the, in that passage in 2 Chronicles 31, 31, 20 and 21, he's summarizing how it was meant to be throughout the Old Testament. But it was only there in glimpses and in, in little moments of Israel's history. But that was always the call to faithfulness. And then when we come to the New Testament, we see Jesus as he walks along the shores of Galilee and he calls people to what? Leave everything and follow him. Faithfulness. And we see Jesus teaching radical things like, unless you love me more than you love every other relationship, your mother, your father, your sons, your daughters, unless you love me more than anybody else, you're not worthy of following me. What an extraordinary thing to say. What a radical statement to make. Total devotion. Total loyalty. And as Jesus goes on, he says, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be threats. People are going to drag you in front of them. You're going to get beaten on my account. But will you remain faithful? Faithfulness. Jesus taught a lot about faithfulness, particularly with all the servant parables, some of which we will look at. And Jesus reminded them that really the essence of Christianity now in this era that you and I are living in is will we be ready for when Jesus comes again? Will we be eagerly waiting for the return of our master? Will we be being faithful to do what he's told us to do? Will we be serving and praying and following him faithfully while we wait eagerly for his return? And one of those parables is another scripture that God really gave me for this year. And it's found in Matthew 24, verse 45. And the whole parable is exactly in this setting about the long return of the master, the delayed return of the master. And Jesus tells this parable about a servant. I'll start at verse 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 
But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Verse 45 was, and 46 were the key verses that God put on my heart. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Being faithful. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he's not aware of. And he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sobering, challenging, confronting. Will we be ready? Will Jesus find us faithful? Faithful. So faithful to what? What are, I mean, there's so many things that the scriptures call us to be faithful in. I just felt God put on my heart four things. Four things this year that God is really calling us to be faithful in. And I've tried to kind of distill them down to one word and one relational, biblical relational idea that might help you remember them this year. The four words are pursue, like a wife, and I'll explain that, obey, like a son, use, is the word I came up with, like a servant, and continue like a disciple. So hopefully you'll remember that. Let's go through each of them. Pursue. I believe God is calling us to pursue Him with our whole heart. Throughout the Bible, there's this image where Israel is portrayed as the betrothed or the wife of Yahweh. And when they rebel and when they sin and when they worship idols, God speaks of that as being adultery, unfaithfulness. It's because they didn't pursue their their lover, their their king, their, their rescuer, their redeemer wholeheartedly. They, they really betrayed their, their lover. That's how God talks about it. And so I really feel that God's calling us in this moment to come back to Him wholeheartedly, with all our heart, fully devoted to Him, to pursue Him, to long for Him, to long after His presence, to want to be with Him, to be in His presence and enjoying Him and His Word and, and delighting in Him. And these scriptures, I mean, there's so many I could have given you, but I just thought I'd you know, limit you because I know some of you write them down and read them and it's wonderful. Matthew 22 uh, is Jesus' call to us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. It's a great commandment. Wholeheartedly to be loving towards Him. And Matthew 10 is that passage I already alluded to where Jesus says, unless you love me more than these, your your father, your mother, you're you're not worthy of following me. Matthew 24 is is the passage where Jesus says that in the end times, people's love for him will grow cold. And that's, that's a, a challenging word for us. And that, that our hearts will drift. I don't know if 
you can ever imagine that that would be ever possible. Maybe you love Jesus so passionately right now that you can't even begin to imagine that you would, that would ever be true of you. But when you look at Matthew 24, Jesus says that the hearts of many, because of the increase of wickedness, verse 12, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You know, I always say to couples who are engaged, we've got two that are getting married, one next Friday, and then one in November, that nobody on their wedding day ever imagines that they will be unfaithful to their husband or their wife. Nobody. You know, I've done prepare with I don't know how many couples now and taken lots of couples through their wedding day. Nobody's standing there thinking, I'm going to be unfaithful to you. And yet, it happens more often than we care to admit. And so I want to say that to you, that right now, you're probably thinking, there's no way I'm going to be unfaithful to Jesus. I, I pray that that would be true. That in this moment, you would pursue Christ even more passionately than you've ever pursued Him. Even if you've been walking with Jesus for all of your life. Now is not the time to let your guard down but to continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to long for His presence. Revelation 2, 3, and 4 says this, You have persevered and have endured hardships. That's a pretty good description of the last two years, right? For my name and have not grown weary. But listen to this next bit. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It has been tough. And because it has been tough, you might have endured, you might be here and you're saying, I'm here, aren't I? I'm still at church, I'm, I've stood firm. Yes, true, but how's your heart? Is it passionate? Does it still burn for Jesus? Or has your time and your attention been crowded by other things? Has COVID been so good that you now are quite happy with the life you have post-COVID and you try and fit Jesus into the cracks, but he's not in the center that he used to be. I wonder where your heart is at. I wonder if you need to do some adjustment to come back to your lover, the lover of your soul wholeheartedly. Uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That, that just means stay hot for Jesus. Stay passionate for Jesus. I believe this is that moment for us, church. It is now that God is calling us to be, as the old, we used to say in the old days, to be on fire for Jesus again. Faithful in pursuing Him. Second one, faithful in obedience. In obedience. Another image that the Bible has for the people of God is as His Son. And Israel is spoken about as the Son. And we see them wrestling throughout with this idea of obeying Him. And I believe God is calling us to be faithful reflections of our Father. Jesus even used that kind of language when He says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be merciful, be forgiving as your heavenly Father is those things. You know, we have a saying, like Father, like Son. This is what it's about. 
And I believe God is calling us to search our hearts and, and to see if, if we've drifted along the way. And again, I, I use this example with married you know, couples as they're in getting engaged. I said, it's the little compromises that get you in trouble. It's not the big ones. It's the one degree off course that will take you miles away from where you really want to be. How aligned is your heart with the Word of God? How faithful are you being to what Jesus has commanded us to be and to do? You know, these passages, again, are really, really helpful. Matthew 7 is the one where Jesus says that, you know, it's, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these amazing spiritual things? And he says, but really, I, I don't know you because it's the people who not just hear but do my word that are the true disciples. James, you know, familiar James says, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. That's what it really comes down to. You, you can tell me and you can quote from memory many passages in the Bible and that would be amazing and wonderful and I encourage you to do that. But my question would be, but are you living it? Are you walking the walk? Are you putting your scriptures where your mouth is and where your heart is and where your hands are and where your feet go and where your mind wanders? Is it changing the way you live? Are you reflecting your father? Are you reflecting Jesus more and more and more? And in John 14 and 15, Jesus does this thing that we find very, very uncomfortable. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. That's it. Over and over again. You read in John 14, 15, the number of times Jesus makes the connection between loving, being devoted to Him, pursuing Him in love and affection, and in living out that love in everyday obedience to Him. You, you can't separate the two. In 1 John 2, John the Beloved, who leaned on Jesus, he says it this way, and you can't get any better than this, other than Jesus, of course. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No, don't, don't do that. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know. If you want to know, do you, do you really know Jesus? This is how you know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Mic drop. Be faithful in obedience. How are you going? How aligned is your heart with the Word of God? Have you made little compromises along the way in your morality, in your ethics, in your values, in your convictions? What's happened in the last two years in terms of living out of the Scriptures, the Word and the will of our Father? Third one. I was going to say, this series... There's probably going to be more ouches than amens. And that's not a bad thing. Third one is to do. To do, to use the things that God's given us and trusted to us. You know, maybe some of us, we've taken a back seat with, with serving, with being on, you know, being 
using the things that God's given us. We've, we've been in survival mode, self-preservation mode. We've kind of been circling the wagons around us and trying to just get through, hunker down, just think, think and worry about me, my own, and just getting, and then that, that's been totally legitimate. But I believe now is a, is a different season. And it's time to look again at the things that God has put in your hand and entrusted you with. And going, what, what am I doing with this stuff? Am I using them for God's kingdom, for God's glory? Or am I so busy now with my time, with my work, and with family commitments, and everything else, that I've got no time to be serving and giving and using the things that God's given me for His kingdom? Matthew 25 is the famous parable of the talents with the bags of gold, you know, and, and Jesus is teaching that, the, the servant that buries his talent in the ground, he calls wicked and lazy. The opposite of being faithful and good. Wicked and lazy. Why? Because he was given something. He was entrusted with something. And he was not using it. He was squandering it, wasting it, burying it, ignoring it. In Romans 12, 3 to 8, Paul talks about us being a body. And he's saying that God has given each of us a gift. And we're supposed to be using it for the sake of the body because we need each other. We need to be serving together. We need to be caring for each other in using the things that God has entrusted us as stewards. And the, the longer passage where Paul unpacks this in greater detail is 1, 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about that each of us are part of a body, that we, we, we are connected to each other. We, we can't reject one another because we have different gifts and abilities. All of them are necessary, that if one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. And that the same Spirit, the same God has given each each of us a gift for the common good, for the edification of one another. You know, I was talking to a, I was at a district meeting, uh, sorry, no, I was talking to my supervisor and she was telling me she was at a meeting and she heard this alarming statistic that volunteering has declined by 50% in every church. And I can say, that's true at PCC for a whole bunch of different reasons. But not just in church. Volunteering, volunteering in our nation has declined. There's been a, usually statistically about a third of our people volunteer in, in Australia. It's gone down to about a quarter now. What's going on? I don't know. But I'm feeling that God is challenging us to buck that trend. And to go be faithful with what I've given you. It, it, it's, it's for you, yes, but it's not just for you. What's God given you? What's God put in your hand? What's God put in your wallet? What's God put in your home? What's God put in your head and your heart and your hands and your feet? What's God given you? Because James tells us that every good gift, where does it come from? The Father of lights. And some of the scary things about these scriptures is that God's, Jesus says, I'm going to hold you accountable. The master in this parable in Matthew 25 calls in every servant and says, give me account of what you did with what I gave you. Faithful in using it. Ephesians, uh, was it the next scripture that I had? Nothing? Oh, 1 Corinthians 12, sorry. All these are the work, just the last bit, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one. That's what I want you to hear. Each one, just as He determines. Just as He determines. Ephesians 4, the passage, the last one there, 
talks about, again, the body. And he says that the body grows and is strengthened as each ligament does its work. Does its part. So let's be faithful to use what God's given us. Last one. Faithful to continue the mission. So to be faithful wives, to be faithful sons, to be faithful servants, to be faithful disciples. A disciple essentially is someone who just follows in the footsteps of their master. When Jesus called people to follow him, he was just saying, come and be with me, become like me, and then do the stuff that I did. Just that's it. Pretty much what it means to be a Christian. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And so I believe God's calling us to get back on track with mission. Like I said, we've been in self-preservation mode. We've been in this mode of hunkering down and thinking about ourselves. But now it's time to get re-engaged in mission, in, in looking outside of ourselves, whether that's one another, whether that's out in the community, whether that's in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, wherever it might be, to lift our head up from our feet because we've been spending so much time just thinking about taking the next step and trying to... Now we need to lift our head up and go... There's a harvest, as Jesus said. Look, there's a harvest. And we need to be on mission to continue the work of Jesus in the world. Matthew 5, Jesus said that we are to be salt and light, to be a city on a hill, which is such an important verse to our church. Jesus said, that's who you are. You can't help it. You need to be that. In Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. You know that verse. Go into all the, all the world. Or in your going is probably a good way to interpret that. In your going, make Jesus known. Make disciples. Teach people the gospel. Witness for Jesus. In your going, where has Jesus placed you? In your community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in this community that we're in. To be on mission for Jesus. To be faithful to that. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about us being ambassadors of Christ who, uh, who are compelled by the love of Jesus to proclaim this message of reconciliation and hope of God extending mercy and forgiveness to people through us, through you, through me. Again, that is our identity, ambassadors of Jesus. And in 1 Peter 2, Peter says this. If you can put up the next one, please. Dear friends, I urge you, urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul it is time to repent we had a great prayer time this morning where graham who led us was calling on us to repent to come back wholeheartedly it is time to repent of these sinful desires that wage war against our soul and to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us To be on mission, to be about advancing the kingdom, to be salt, to be like to, to live lives that are authentic copies, if you like, of Jesus, our master, to follow in his footsteps. So that hopefully, like the early disciples who were dragged before the, the Sanhedrin and about to be threatened, they can say of you, like they said of Peter, James, and John, we discern that they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. Because you look like and talk like and smell like and act like and behave like and speak like Jesus. I want to tell you, Christian, there is no higher compliment than anyone can give you. Then, man, you remind me of Jesus. To continue his mission. 
as I close. You know, I don't, I don't want this message or this series or anything we preach this year to be a condemning word. Because the Bible says in Romans, there is no condemnation in Christ. But I want you to be challenged. I want you to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do the hard work of examining your own life and your own heart. And I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do and beat you over a stick. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says and says, like James says, look in the mirror of God's Word and let it show you what you need to do to adjust, to come back wholeheartedly to God. And you know, this is not something that we can just do. Faithfulness, oh yeah, I'm going to be faithful. We, we need God. We need Jesus. And the only reason we can even have this conversation is because Jesus was faithful. Because He went to the cross. Because in the midst of everything, He was the perfect Son who obeyed the Father completely in everything, in every way, no matter what. He, he was the perfect disciple, as it were, who said, I'm only here to do the work of my Father. I'm not here to say or do anything that the Father hasn't told me to do or say. He was the faithful one that went all the way to the cross that would even give us the hope of being able to be faithful wives, faithful children, faithful servants, faithful disciples. It's Jesus. And if we don't start with grace and if we don't start with the faithfulness of Jesus, we're doomed. We're doomed. Because see, even in children's, the children of Israel's history, you know why they kept for, for stuffing up and struggling and you know, being unfaithful to God? Because they forgot the faithfulness of God. And that's why the prophets had to keep calling them back, calling them back to the covenant. Remember the God who rescued you from Egypt. You've got to come back to love. And that's why Jesus said in Revelation, come back to your first love, remembering the faithfulness of Jesus. And it is only by the power of the Spirit. Faithfulness, incidentally, is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says that, the Spirit of God will produce faithfulness in your heart as you keep in step with Him. And so today, as I end, and as we continue our series this year, we're going to be making much of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time. Because without Him, we can't do this. It has got to be the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. It has to be. And so this morning, as I conclude, if you don't know Jesus, you, and again, you might be thinking, what a silly question to ask people in church. But you can come to church every Sunday and not be a true follower of Jesus. Just like you can visit a garage every day and never become a car. Or go to McDonald's and eat yourself silly and never become a cheeseburger. It, it's not an automatic thing. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian is someone who's acknowledged their sin and who's humbled themselves before God and said, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace for my unfaithfulness. And I trust in the faithful one, Jesus, who finished the work on the cross to pay the price for my sin. It is in that moment that you are born again by the Spirit and you become a faithful follower of Jesus. It's not a one-time deal. It's an ongoing life of obedience and faithfulness to Christ as He continues to faithfully care for you. So I want to ask you, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you're outside, have you made that decision? 
Have you invited Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord? Have you bowed the knee to King Jesus and said, not my way, but your way? I surrender every part of me, every part of my heart to you to be my Lord. And if you haven't, I encourage you, talk to me at the end. I'd love to answer questions and I'd love to pray with you so that you can be a follower of Jesus. But it'll cost you everything. Because Jesus deserves nothing less than your whole heart. So as we close, I invite you to stand with me. Just take a moment to reflect and examine your own heart. I'm just going to give you a few moments to do that in quietness. And then I want to end by praying for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we need Him. Grace, if you can just jump up and just play some pads. We need Him. And as an expression of that, I'm going to invite you, before I pray, to just open your hands and pray in your own heart for the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. So take a moment just to be still with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to just speak to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in this moment of stillness, we bring our hearts before you. You are the one who searches every heart. You know our secret places. You know if our hearts have grown cold and distant. Father, I pray that you will fan them into flame. Oh, Lord, for a new spiritual fervor and passion to come and grip our hearts again. Father, you know the areas where we've drifted, where we've made compromises, where we've lost sight of your word and your will. And Father, where we need to come back in alignment with your will and your word and to be obedient sons. And Father, you, you see the gifts that have been dormant, spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, resources, time, money that maybe we've been investing into other things. And Father, Paul called Timothy to stir up the gift that was there that came through the laying on of hands. And Father, I believe that you're calling people to stir up the gifts that are there again to stir them up in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, for us to continue the work that Jesus began, to be witnesses, to be disciples, 
oh God, to follow you wholeheartedly into our world, to be salt, to be light, to be agents of change and transformation. Father, I pray, will you fill us right now with your Holy Spirit as every person is extending their hands, Father. Everyone here is saying, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Will you come and will you fill us afresh right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every young person, every young adult, every single person, every married person, every family that's represented here. Whether they're, Lord, someone's here for the first time or they've been here for years. Whether they're a new Christian or they've been following Jesus for years. Lord, I pray right now, will you begin to fill your people again with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we might be faithful to you, wholeheartedly devoted to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.